One of the things that I think is disturbing is that people get the impression that to, to minister for God, you've got to give up everything in your life. You have to sell out 100% to God, which doesn't mean just in your spirit, man, but that you've got to become a pastor, evangelist, prophet, teacher to, to minister for God. First of all, to be a born-again believer makes you a minister. Look at the person next to you, and I want you to say to them, you are a minister. Now, you may not believe that this morning. You're sitting there and you're saying, I don't believe that. But you are a minister. We are all ministers. You in the seats are ministers. Whatever your occupation is, wherever you work, whatever you do, you are a minister. You're a minister in your home. I'm a minister in my home. I minister reconciliation in my house. I am in my house to, to, to show my children God every day. And you are in your house as a Christian to show your family God every day. Your mom, your dad, your uncles, your aunts, your sisters, your brothers, they need to see God. And I'm going to tell you, not only that, but the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. I tell you every week how that I don't have what I have today. I mean, we are really blessed. Amy and myself, our three kids, we are more than blessed. I don't even know how to explain it. We have a happy home. It's full of love. We have good things we possess. None of those things are important to me. My children are. My wife is. But I sold out to God a long time ago, and I decided to make him number one in my life. I just decided that I would serve God with all my heart and all my soul, and all my understanding. And you know what he did to me? He blessed me with all the other stuff. You do not have to become a five-fold pastor, evangelist, prophet, teacher, and apostle to minister for God. Matter of fact, there are many of you that should have been on this trip. It would have made an impact on you, and it, it would have made an impact on them. I know that the ones that went, God had them to go. But I remember I called the little meeting one day and I said, folks, we're faith people. We believe God that he's able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have found this to be true. And you may doubt this, but it's true. You know, we do as people what we want to do. You pretty much, when you make up your mind to do something, you accomplish it. You, it, it, it. Oftentimes, we don't accomplish what we don't accomplish because we don't really know and we haven't really decided that's what we want to do. But when we finally come to conclusion and we finally come to the point where we absolutely know this is what we're going to do, this is what we want to do, this is how we're going to do it, it's amazing to me how many things we actually accomplish when we come to that realization. How many of you know that's the truth? It is the truth. I want you to look at this with me real quick. I want you to turn over. I want to show you this, this scripture real quick. Turn over with me. And I said this. I said willingness and obedience. There were a lot of you that were willing. But when I had that meeting and said God will supply your need. If you'll believe God. If you'll believe God. If this is a desire of your heart. God will supply it. You weren't obedient. Now we're going to come to this again. We may go to India. We might go to other places and, and I believe this church will have the opportunity not only to minister to our city, which I'm thoroughly excited about. It's time for this church to continue to grow and, and fill these seats up and go to multiple services, whatever we got to do. Get bigger buildings. We have a message and something here that is unique to our city, and it has the Holy Ghost in it. And I'm telling you, it, it, to me, if I, I'd go here. I'm telling you right now, I'd go to this church. If I was in this city and I wasn't a pastor, I'd go to this church. I love this church. 
And I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor. Y'all think it's just, I have, I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm a bias. And I am, but I would go anyway because this place has something to it. The Holy Ghost is here. The worship is here. People have a genuineness about them. There is a love in this church that you don't find in many places. When you walk in here, you don't feel black. You don't feel white. You don't feel Hispanic or whatever you are. You don't feel Tongan or Samoan. You just feel like a human being. There's something here. And God wants us to get this out. He wants us to tell our neighbors. He wants us to tell our friends. It, it, you know, it bothers me that our mouths in this kind of a church are closed as compared to others. The single most important thing to evangelism is not the television. It's not the radio. It isn't even our building. The number one reason people go to church, the number one reason they'll ever darken these doors is because somebody had a one-on-one conversation, invited them, and brought them to church. And why would you want someplace that didn't have what you're getting to be the place that draws them in? I think we have something great to offer. And it's time that you become the ministers God's called you to become. You become the person that draws people in. Bring somebody to church. Tell somebody about Jesus. Get somebody saved. So here's what it says. We're going to turn over to Mark. Turn over to to Mark chapter 16. Are you a minister? Yes, you are. This is, the, this is the message that was told to us by Jesus that everyone who believes will have in their life. Are you ready? Mark chapter 16, starting at the 15th verse. He said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes is baptized shall be saved, but he that doesn't believe shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That is every believer. You do not have to become a fivefold minister. People have rejected God because they thought they would have to give up their careers. They thought they would have to give up their lifestyle. They thought they'd have to give up a boat or a car. You don't have to give it up. You don't have to give up one thing to serve God and be a minister. You just have to be willing to let God lead you and talk to you and talk through you and allow your life to be the example to somebody else. Many people could have been great missionaries for God and could have gone out into the field and and touched lives all over the world. Were called by God to be in missions and called by God to evangelize, but they thought they'd have to become full-time at it. Listen to me. The day you got saved, the day you accepted Jesus, you became that. You became a missionary, an evangelist. You became somebody who was to, to, to minister reconciliation to this world. What's great, I think, that we can do, and I believe this in my heart, is we can finally have a place where people can live their lives, be full and, and be, 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 be whatever God has called them to be career-wise and still touch a world for Jesus. You can still go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in without embarrassment. You know, you don't have to be embarrassed. We have a pretty nice place here. We have a pretty, pretty I mean, I'm not embarrassed to invite anybody to this church. you got a decent-looking pastor. Got a pretty wife, handsome kids, beautiful. I mean, look around you. We're blessed. I mean, and you don't have to be embarrassed. I, I, I can't imagine. I remember when I was growing up, we, my, my mom and dad, 
They were just, they loved God with all their heart, and so they would do whatever they had to. And me and Leah, as kids, they would kind of embarrass us. They got involved in the holiness church. Anybody ever heard of the holiness church? Anybody know what I'm talking about? No ear bobs. Women had to wear skirts all the time. Couldn't cut your hair. Men couldn't play sports. You know, no shorts. Couldn't wear a pair of shorts no matter how hot it was. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they would take us out on a little bandstand in the middle of town. And my dad weighed about 400 pounds. Big man, six foot two, six foot three. Played professional baseball when he was younger, but he had gained a lot of weight. And he was big at the time. And he'd go out there with a ukulele. It looked like a child's toy guitar. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Everybody ever seen a ukulele? And put my sister on an accordion. You know, in teenage years, you stick your sister on an accordion. That's not a good thing. Can't cut your hair, no ear bobs, no makeup, and got on a skirt with an accordion. I played the drums. And all they had was kind of the set they'd set up. My mom tried to play the piano, and they would do street meetings out there. They got people saved and all that, but I'm going to tell you something. For Leah and I, it was horror. I mean, the embarrassment only could, couldn't get any worse. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, who wants your friends to see you out there with your mom and dad, dad playing the ukulele? <laughs> oh, man. That's not where we are today. That's not where we live. We live in an entirely different world. You know, it's not as, it's not as, it's not as a horrible thing. We don't have to look stupid. We don't have to be stupid. We don't have to be dumb. As a matter of fact, we can be at the top of the society rung and still be a minister of reconciliation. We don't have to be embarrassed anymore. We don't come and have sawdust on the floor and no air conditioning. And I mean, I mean, I remember them days to be a to be a, a Holy Ghost church or f- with Pentecostal, you know, because I mean that had a stigma to it anyway. You were really across the tracks, you know what I'm talking about. But we're not there anymore. God has opened and enlightened the world and enlightened us to say it's okay to be a f- Spirit-filled church, you don't have to be embarrassed, people. You don't have to worry about what your friends are going to think. I know sometimes you bring your friends in and you think, I'm going to bring my friends to church. I sure hope Pastor Steve don't run the aisle today. Lord, please keep him calm. Oh, Lord, please don't let him flip on the stage. And if he lays hands on people, please don't let too many fall out. Joan's coming with me today. But you know, it's amazing how many of them. I remember a story Pastor Reggie used to tell. He said when he, this man had, had a, a, a brought his friend to the church, it was actually the mayor of the city, had come for the first time to the service. And uh, there was this little old lady that would always just hoot and holler, and she'd scream out and dance around the building. And, and, uh, and so this, they finally got the mayor to come to the city, and the man that brought the mayor had prayed before he got there. said, Lord, please, please, please don't let that lady give out today. Please don't let her, you know, because she just, ah, ah, dance all over the building. Please let her be settled down. Please, Lord, because we don't want to be embarrassed. So right about the middle of the service, the song service got good, and all of a sudden that lady jumped up, started spinning, whoop, whoop, screaming all over the building. The man just dropped his head, you know, and, oh, the mayor's going to hate this. I've lost him. He's never coming back. After the service, the mayor went up and gave his heart to the Lord and decided to make that church his home. The fellow couldn't understand why that had happened. I mean, such an embarrassment had happened. The lady that normally would go crazy went crazy. And so he asked the man, he said, what was it that touched you? Was it the sermon? The man said, no. He said, was it the music? No. He said, well, what was it that touched you? The the mayor said, something about that little old lady. (laughs) 
Something about that little old lady. Just let God be God. Just let the Lord be the Lord. You know, it's okay to come to church. Somebody might spin in the presence of the Lord. We all respond differently. But I know if it's genuine and if it's really God and it's not some wildfire, freaky, emotional stuff, the people will know it. They'll sense it in their heart and they won't reject it. They'll accept it. Somebody say amen. If it's the Spirit of God, you know, I, I always use this as an example. Around here, you know, we have electricity all over the place, and sometimes we do our own electricity. It's becoming less and less, but we still do every once in a while. And every once in a while, I'll hear down the hallway somebody working on something. I'll hear, hey! I'll see a flash of blue light, you know, and I know what happened, you know. Somebody hit something, you know. Somebody, you know, uh, is it off? Is it off? That's constant around here, you know. Is it off? Is it off? And somebody says, yes, and then all of a sudden, Hey! And there's always different responses. Some people just, ah, 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 jumping around and others. You know, we all respond differently. Some people might just get that and just touch it. And some scream. Some hair stand up. Some don't. When the presence of God is here and it's really in the house, he said, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, what is there? There's going to be a liberty in that house. People should not be subjected to a certain form of worship. If you don't want to run, don't run. You don't want to flip, don't flip. But don't feel bad. And don't be worried about the ones who do run. Do flip. The person next to you may go into some craziness. So what? That's how they're responding to a God that shows up in a room. We don't have to be embarrassed anymore. We don't have to be ashamed. We're all ministers of reconciliation. We are called to go into all the world and compel them to come in. And we have a great place to compel them. And I'm telling you, in the future, what I believe with all of my heart is this, this, this place will be a launching pad that people can go and come and go and come and go and come. These young men went out there. They ministered life to people. They were there for 14 days. God paid their trip and they're back working in their local church. What a great plan that is. You can be a lawyer, you can be a judge, you can be a tax attorney, you can be a doctor, you can be a, sci a, a, a psychologist, you can be a teacher, you can be a funeral director, and still be a minister of reconciliation. Somebody say amen. amen. We are called, go ye into all the world. And then this is the thing, it says, go ye into all the world and preach the good news. I thought about this, what is the good news? Third John 2. This is what we preach. This is why people will, will serve the Lord. It's because they will see the goodness of God on you. The reason the, 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 the Filipinos responded to these Americans that came is because they saw God's goodness on them. They desired the goodness of God. When our lives are filled with the goodness of God, people will desire that. They'll desire the goodness of God. There's nothing wrong with you believing God for good things in your life. Amen. Beloved. I wish above all things, this is our message, that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That's the good news. It's good news to know Jesus. It's the best thing. You're going to have peace like you've never known before. You're going to have joy like you've never known before. You're going to have blessings like you've never known before. Notice I didn't say riches. That may come. But I promise you that's not what's important. True spiritual blessings are what's important. That you have the fullness of life. That life is full for you. And I'm telling you Jesus provides a full life. 
It is the thief, John 10.10. Here's the good news. It is the thief that comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. Anything in your life that has come, that, that, that the devil has stolen things from you, stolen marriages, stolen your finances, stolen your job, stolen things from your life. You, I don't know what it may be. There's been many things in my life that I know the devil stole. I promise you it wasn't God who stole them. God is not the author of confusion. He's not the one who brings dis discouragement and depression. He's not the one who comes and brings hurts and pains. He's the one who salves the wounded heart. He said, if your heart condemns you, God's bigger than your heart. He said this. He said, the thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The reason people are in, in messes today is not because of God. It isn't because they chose to serve God. I remember a guy, he decided to come and work at my house one time. And so he comes over to my house, and we get over to the house, and, and, uh, and I'm going to pay him a certain amount of money to do something at the house. And, and uh, that day, I see him on the side of the road. His car's broken down, and the Lord let me hear his conversation in the car. I was in his car, and the Spirit of the Lord let me hear it. You all might say, that's crazy, but I'm telling you that's what happened. I saw him by the Spirit in that car, and I heard him utter these words. Every time I do something for God, look what happens to me. I heard it by the Spirit. I was sitting there in that car by the Holy Ghost. I heard him say, every time I do something for the Lord, look what happens to me. Every time I do something for the Lord. There are people in this room feel like that, that, they, that every time they turn to God, that it's going to be a tragedy. There's going to be some situation come up. They're going to go through some battle. I guarantee you it won't be because you turn to God. It's because the thief is the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the Lord said, no, that's not why. He said, I provided a job for him, an extra income, because I knew his car was going to break down on the side of the road. God got his heart prepared and had me call him up and gave him a job and gave him enough money because God knew ahead of time that car was going to break down and he had a solution. He saw it the wrong way. He saw it as if God was the one who broke his car down. No, God knows what you have need of before you even ask him. Here's the good news. Glory to God. He'll provide a way of escape. He's got a way out. He's a good God. Shoo! The thief is the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But let me tell you, Jesus came. Look at your neighbor say, Jesus came. That I could have a life. And have a life that's full of abundance. He said more abundantly. That word there means a good life, fulfilled life, full of all and overflowing. God wants you to have a life full of all and overflowing. Look at your neighbor and say, you can have all and overflow. Serving God will bring the good things into your life. That's the good news. That is what we have to share. We have that to give to the world. Folks, if you're not experiencing that in your life, you need to. You need to determine in your heart as a believer, you're tired of living beneath what God said for you. He said, I have provided all grace towards you, that you can have all sufficiency in all things, and that you'll be able to abound unto every good work. The goodness of the Lord is what we have to share. That's the good news. When we go into the world and tell people about Jesus, we're telling them about a God, about a Jesus who will change their life. Not from worse to worse, but from glory to glory. Make sure you don't have your ideas. I heard a lot of these boys up here say that they realized things don't make you happy. Things don't make you happy. There's nothing wrong with having things. 
Not a thing. God doesn't mind you having things at all. But I just buried my mother. You all know that. And soon, I mean, we, Lee and I, have, we've been talking, and Brother Sam over here, my mom's husband, wanted us to go and look through the house. And I think Lee and I are probably in the same boat. We know that. We've got to go do that. And many of you have gone through this where you've got to go through mom's house, and her shoes are still going to be laying out on the floor. Stuff's going to be up on the counter, and it's just going to feel like mom's still there. It's almost like a ghostly feeling, you know. Anybody ever been there? We, we know we've got to go do that. We're not all that excited about that. I mean, other than, you know, just we know that time is coming. She didn't take any of it with her. She didn't take any of it with her. If you put your life in things, if you made up your mind that having things and, and popularity and, and success on the job is all you need in life, folks, you've missed it. Because it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Yes, have things. Go get them. Go, go, go ahead. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Well, I don't know. I've never driven a Mercedes Benz and I've served God all my life. But are you happy? You can drive a Mercedes-Benz and be sad and miserable. And you can drive a Toyota like me and be happy and full of joy. <laughs> it's not about things. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Amen. You are a minister of reconciliation as a church we're reaching to the world. We're going further than we ever have before. We're going to do more than we've ever done before. And I want you on board. I want you hooked up. I want you connected. Because I believe God has a plan for you. Look at somebody and say, God's got a plan for me. Now I want you to look at somebody else and say, God's got a plan for you.